take a second. Uh, let's just pray and linger for a moment. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for fresh wind. Thank you for fresh light. Thank you for fresh life as we come before you tonight. We're so grateful for your initiative to bring heaven into our world. We open our hearts to you. We open our lives to you. Father, we want to hear from you. We want to walk with you. We want to please you, God, in every way. So, Father, just for these few moments we have together here tonight, we call out for heaven to touch the earth, for heaven to touch our earth, for heaven to flow into this house, for heaven to flow through this house, God. Father God, we're praying for something supernatural to take place in the earth. We ask for it, we believe for it, we're reaching for it, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, somebody say, amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. All right, give somebody a hug. Just give them a hug. A hug is a good thing. <laughs> Little bitty hug. Awesome. Amen. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. Good to see you. This, you know, this felt like, I don't know, I don't know how many of you were around when we used to do Wednesday night church, but uh, it kind of felt like Wednesday night church, just like kind of, I don't know, it's just a different thing, different, cool. And then I uh, appreciate our worship team. You guys did an incredible job. Yeah. Amen. Justin Conway took us old school on the... Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I loved it. <laughs> it was pretty good. Hey, we do definitely want to get those, uh, how you got invited to our church. Um, I asked Jim and Sherry Puffer uh, how they got invited to our church. They've been here since March 1992. Uh, so they were here before the church started, and they uh, just waiting for us to get going. But uh, they had moved into town. I believe they moved here from Rhode Island, the only people in North Carolina from Rhode Island. And they moved here. They went to uh, the Christian bookstore and said, hey, we've heard stuff about this rock church. Uh, what, do you, what do you know? And, and whatever this person said was negative about our church. And so uh, they just said, well, we should just go see for ourselves what was happening. So... So if you want to say something negative about our church and have us end up with somebody like Jim and Sherry, then that would be great. Uh, but, <laughs> but, it, but actually, no, we do want those stories because I think it's just a, it's a faith builder for our church to, uh, to invite, and uh, invitation is what really grows the house. So let me take a few moments and just dive into uh, kind of a hodgepodge sort of um, stream of consciousness thoughts here tonight for Heart for the House. Um, I really believe that the kingdom of God moves forward on the shoulders of willing people. And you've heard me say, and you've heard me say it recently, that you can't do anything with the unwilling, uh, you can only do something with the willing. And so I've learned to, to stop trying to get the unwilling 
to be willing uh, and just recognize that God's people will volunteer freely in the day of his power. But uh, here's what I know about willing people is that people who are willing to engage and willing to be involved and willing to serve and willing to worship and just willing uh, people, uh, they actually end up being leaders even though they may not picture themselves as leaders, uh, you know, because, because they're, just, they're just willing to do the, the stuff. Because, and leadership is a big, big piece of leadership uh, is just the idea that you are modeling something for someone to follow after. And you may or may not feel like you're a great leader or that you even are a leader, but I just want to say to you that we all lead at some level. Uh, somebody's watching you, you know, your kids are watching you, your coworkers are watching you, there's people around you in your school that are watching you. Um, we, all, we all lead in some way at some level. And so we, we lead by what we do, uh, we lead by what we're unwilling to do. Uh, we lead by who we are, we lead by our actions, we lead by our words, uh, we lead by cooperation. Uh, we, we lead by modeling. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of ways that we can lead, even though we may not feel like, well, I'm the most structured, organized, put it all together kind of leaders. And what I know about leaders is, is this. I, I'm, uh, everybody that's in this room, I'm thinking of as a willing leader uh, at some level, at some capacity, and that leaders actually create things. You know, leaders, leaders move things. Leaders bring influence. Um, I think the world is in need of the right kind of leaders. L leaders see something that doesn't exist, but they have a vision for it, and they go to work creating it. Uh, and that's what we get to do on the planet. We, we get to bring it into existence. Uh, we see a vision for something, and we uh, pool ourselves together, and we, we start to bring this thing into existence. So um, just the opportunity for a few moments to chat with you guys in, in a way that I don't get to or, or don't feel like it's wisdom to uh, talk about on Sunday morning because we're, we're not just here. To, our church doesn't exist just to have cool Sunday morning services. I mean, we don't exist to have uncool Sunday morning services. In other words, we're not just here to have a Sunday service. Um, uh, and, and, and the truth is, people that just come on Sundays, and some people just on occasion on Sundays, um, they're, not, they're not really builders. They, they can't, they don't they don't cre help create. Uh, they, don't, they don't help influence. They just they show up every once in a while, uh, and, and but we're not mad at them. They're the crowd, and we, we love the crowd. Uh, we minister to the crowd, but we also realize that you can't build anything on the crowd. You can't build anything with the crowd, and so, uh, so for you and I, um, we, we're here because we have a, a sense of something uh, different about our involvement in church. So I said this before, but I'll say it again. It, if you ain't helping, 
you ain't helping, <laughs> right? Um, and we, our church exists uh, to build something out of a vision that didn't exist, but we want to exist. Or we, we see something that we want to create, and we're at work doing it. We're at work uh, modeling it. We're at work putting our energy into it. We're at work, uh, you know, making this thing happen and just being a part of it. Uh, I shared this kind of concept the last time we had a, a heart for the house, but I, I like it, and I just want to touch it for a second again tonight. John 8, 35, this is a New Living Translation. It says, a slave is not a permanent part of the family, but a son is part of the family. Everybody say part of the family. Spiritual sons and spiritual daughters are part of the family. And then John 8, 47, uh, Jesus is still speaking, says anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. So there's something, this, there's something important about this sense of belonging. Sons and daughters know where they belong. Um, it's, it's one thing to attend a church meeting. It's another thing to belong to a family. Right? Uh, to, to, own, to own the essence, to own the vision, to be a part of the family... Um, you know, and I think it's even, it's like, it, it's been this way ever since we started building our church, but I think it's even more of a pull now that people treat church like a restaurant to go get a meal at instead of being a family to belong to. So it's easy to listen to somebody's podcast or to, you know, to, and, and I'm all for that. I listen to a lot of them myself. But there, there's something incredibly important about saying, I belong to this. <laughs> I'm part of the family here. Uh, I help make this happen. Or orphans, are, are, they're just looking for a meal. They don't really have a sense of where they belong. Uh, but sons are involved in every aspect of family life. Uh, daughters are involved in every aspect of family life. So when, when we say, you know, we, we were just praying this past weekend and um, remembering that a year ago uh, from today, a year back, we were all walking in through a, ton a construction tunnel, <laughs> right, uh, you know, building an expanded lobby. Well, the, the, if you're a son or a daughter, you go, that's my family. We're doing that. So we're not just going, well, let's just see if they can do that or not. Let's just see if they can pull it off. But a son or a daughter says, no, I belong, and I'm going to help the best I can to make it happen. And, and to make it, um, I'm just thinking, I mean, it literally was six or seven weeks ago, we were on this mad dash Christmas tour, uh, seven services, 2,200 people, 75 salvations. This is just like six or seven weeks ago. It seems like it was a million years ago. But the thing is, but when you're part of the family, you just go, okay, I see what we're doing, and I'm going to be a part of it. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to do, I can't, maybe I can't sing. <laughs> Some of you, we wouldn't want you up here singing. We love you, but you wouldn't be a blessing. So, well, I'm, I'm saying that 
whatever we do, there's something, there's, there's, a, there's a category of people of which I think you are. You wouldn't be out here on a Thursday night. Um, and, uh, but, but that is owning and helping build and seeing a vision. So we're in a season right now. And, and if you've been around our church for any period of time, you know that we do things and then we stop them. <laughs> and then we do other things and we stop them. And that's because when, when the horse is dead, dismount, right? We believe that. <laughs> and, and we're into that. But when we're doing it, um, sons and daughters, they do it. They get involved. So right now, uh, we're, in the, we're in a season where I really feel like we want to do this pre-service prayer thing. And, and we believe this, our house is called to be a house of prayer. And so sons and daughters go, you know what, I'm just going to, I can show up a half hour early. It's my family. I mean, that's what we're doing right now, right? And, you know, there may come a time where we're going to go, okay, we're done with that. Just like we were done with Wednesday nights, <laughs> Uh, or whatever we've gotten been done with. So whenever we're diving into something, um, I just think it's I think I think it's vital that we're all catching the vision and we're we're seeing the picture and we're we're owning it. And ultimately, it's not the crowd on Sunday that's going to make it happen. It's you and me that see something and say, I'm gonna whatever I can lend to that, whatever, whatever influence I can give, whatever. Whatever modeling I can give, whatever whatever um, positive verbiage I can give to this, whatever whatever I can do that leans in, and I realize we do a lot of stuff, and you can't be involved in every single thing. But I would just say, um, you know, we have we have a, an idea about these rock groups, and and so I think there's a lot of people in our church that have been believers for plenty long enough that they could actually start discipling some newer believers and, 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 and taking a little bit of time, you know, in a season and then saying, I'm going to be a part of, a, I'm going to lead a rock group. I'm going to host a rock group. I'm going to, I'm actually reach out and like be friendly to people in my church and invite them into my home, uh, or, you know, this idea about these dinner parties. Uh, there literally have been churches that have been built on this whole concept. They were built on dinner parties. Just start inviting people to the house instead of a, you know, 45-minute Bible talk and then a bunch of snacks after. It's a 45-minute dinner and a five-minute little, hey, here's what we're talking about at our church. And just want just to mention this and talk about it for a second. And don't push on it. I think it's something to consider. Uh, when we are asking you to write down invitation uh, stories, it's because we know that ultimately that, that for us to win people to Christ, we've got to invite new people to church. So inviting people to church. So w when we have a season like that, I'm just uh, I'm saying we get to create that inviting culture. And, and now Therese is going to invite 900 people next month. <laughs> I'm not asking you to do that, but what, but what we are going to ask you to do is, is pray and be aware and be open because you might see a Nathaniel sitting under the tree and go and say, hey, I see you. And sometimes that's just all somebody needs, <laughs> somebody to say, hey, I see you. 
and would you like to come to my church? Um, so, you know, we're, we're sending teams out to the nations, and I think it's worthwhile for some of us to think about getting out of the country and stepping into a new place and, and just experiencing that kind of thing. Or we're doing local outreach. In other words, there's a lot of things that we do that it's, it, the vision is cast and we um, can do it together. So uh, I know I'm, I'm saying to you because you guys do it, but I'm also asking you to do it with us and to own the vision and to model the vision and to lean into the vision. And, and, and I understand you can't do every single thing that goes on in the life of our church, but, but you can be a spiritual son. You can be a spiritual daughter that helps create something more than just cool Sunday morning services. So here I am. Um, thank you for 12 of you. That, uh, that was good. That was really good. That's okay. No, 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 no. I'm not, I ain't begging for clapping, so you just back up. I remember when our church turned 20, um, I was afraid we were getting old. And now we're turning 30. And I'm actually not afraid at all that we're getting old because I, I just believe, and you'll see in a moment why I believe this idea, but I just believe this year's model, 2019, 30th year version of the Rock Church is, has the potential to be the best version ever. I believe that. And now, it won't just happen because I just said it or because we just clapped, but it can be the best yet if we will be the best yet, right? Because we are the church. We are the, the prayers. We are the ones who are inviting and reaching and loving and serving and worshiping and it, it, it's us. So I have, I have more, um, I guess, positive feelings about this generation of our church being the best generation of our church that's ever existed. You know, and when I, this generation of our church is, I think, has tremendous potential. I, well, I remember a while back, I had the realization that at this present time, there's five generations within our church. Uh, there are people that are, that are old, and I am not, and, uh, and there, are, there are people that are younger than me, and you can look at the five generations, and so I think the idea of a generation is not so much my generation or Jacqueline's generation. Can you believe I'm old enough to be your dad? Maybe your granddad. <laughs> Who knows? I could be your granddad probably, right? How old are you? 23. I could definitely be your granddad. I'm almost three times older than you. So there. So that means listen to everything I say. No. Um, <clears throat> so w what I'm saying is that the generation is not like, oh, oh you know, your church, uh, you know, leans to a younger generation, 
in your style of music, whatever. Hey, we're all, we are this generation. We, we're this generation right now, the 2019 generation, the 30th year generation of our church. So what I want to do is just take a few minutes and um, <laughs> hurriedly, because I think I've taken too long already to do what I've already done, but I, I, I want to just kind of share, I guess, what I feel like the Holy Spirit is doing inside of my own soul uh, as we are entering into this 30th year. And I am normally a very, um, have a strong lean into goal setting. Uh, you know, in other words, I would have these kind of goals. I want to exercise X number of days in a week, and I want to weigh 180 pounds, and I want to save X, you know, percentage or whatever, and I want to give X percentage. But this year really had the, the I don't know, just the thing in my soul that uh, I didn't want to set goals, but... Uh, for this year, but then I was going to have just my 2019 intentions, and that's the best word I can think of, and for me, uh, and, and I appreciated what Justin was saying, because I do think, I, 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 this is, I understand this is all the grace of God, but this is, this is God's pattern. I think at some level, whatever God does in me and in Suzette and I eventually flows into our church, um, you know. So, in other words, if I am angry, the church will be angry. <laughs> if, uh, right? So, thank God I'm not angry. Um, but, but 2019, uh, my intention for this year is to spend this whole year leaning into the goodness of God. And, and that's... that's that is my passion. That is uh, obsessing my thinking right now. It is is a part of um, you know my prayer times almost daily now, uh, trying to lean into this. And, and I want you to join me. Um, and let's let's just make 2019 a year of God's goodness. Right? Yeah. Could you do it? Yeah, so, so just a few minutes to kind of share a few scriptures, and, and then I think we always wanted to kind of grow out of this, and I believe what the Holy Spirit would say to me out of scripture can be helpful, but I believe that he also could say something to you that would bring life and power into your world. Psalm 23, verse 6 says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And there's one translation that even says, surely goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. Uh, so I like that concept. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can I just say to you that, that if goodness and mercy are pursuing you, you're having a good year, right? Uh, Psalm 65 verse 4 says, How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. And I think it's interesting that Psalm 23 says, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. Surely goodness and mercy will pursue me. And this says, I'm going to be satisfied with the goodness of your house. That 
God's goodness is often tied to our attachment to his house. And there's always a crowd that wants to diminish the value and the importance of God's house. And there are even Christians that were like, yeah, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't really love church. Uh, or I love Jesus, but I don't really want to go to church that much or be that involved in my church. But I just, I just want to be the guy that continues to say, <laughs> God's house is important to God. And, and if... And yes, God's house is not perfect. <laughs> of course it's not perfect. But if it's important to God, it's got to be important to me. Psalm 27, verse 13 says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. I really like that scripture. Because, come on, let's face it. Life can throw a lot of stuff at you, and it can seem unfair, it can seem unjust, but I just think this, this scripture, these thoughts can help us to know that no matter what is going on, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm 31, verse 19 says, How great is your goodness, <laughs> how abundant, how plentiful is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you've wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. There's a massive amount of goodness that God has stored up for you, for me. And God is not going to run out of goodness. There's no limits to the goodness of God. That means all the goodness that may have happened still doesn't measure up to the goodness that will happen. Thank you for saying amen. There's more coming. And I believe that your best days are in front of you. So I've been thinking about this a lot the past few weeks. As I've been thinking about all this, your life is in front of you. What's, what's happened has already happened. And it, it could run your life, but it doesn't have to. What's, what's been spent has already been spent. So it's a spent cost. It doesn't matter anymore. What's been lost has been lost. And I can, I can get all hung up in it, or I can recognize that my life is in front of me. Come on. So what's been won has already been won, but it doesn't matter tomorrow. It's all in the past. But 
as much as we even might want to go back to Wednesday night service and sing Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, which is cool for a little nostalgia moment. Thank you very much. But I'm just saying, and I'm not, I thought that was actually very cool. Um, but it's all in the past. And we're not going into our past. We're going into our future. And there's great goodness stored up for you for your future. And that's making me more excited than it might be making you. But I'm just, I, just, I just think that whatever's happened in the last 30 years of our church, which, I mean, you know, you look back and sometimes because it's all been in a blur, uh, we could just forget the fact that we've literally seen tens of thousands of people give their life to Christ through our church, and just so many amazing and incredible things have happened in our church, and we can look back and go, oh my gosh, was, was that all the goodness? And I'm going, no, the best goodness is in front of us. How great is the goodness God stored up for our future? And, and I, don't just, I don't want us just to believe that for our church. I want us to believe that for ourselves. Like that's, I mean, when you're walking in that, that's our church walking in that. Jeremiah 31 verse 14 says, I will fill the soul of the priest. And we're all priests in the New Testament. I will fill the soul of the priest with abundance. And my people will be satisfied with my goodness. So, what is your soul full of? <laughs> is your soul full of faith, full of worship, full of gratitude? Is your soul full of happiness? Is it full of abundance? Is your soul full of love? Or is your soul full of worry or complaining or discouragement or despair or lack? Because whatever your soul is full of, that's what's going to be happening in your world. So I'm not, I'm not saying that to bring a downer to you, I'm just, I'm just saying God is promising to fill our soul with abundance, and we're going to be satisfied with His goodness. Okay, um, so, so let, me, let, me, let me drill down a little bit even further in the next three and a half minutes, uh, <laughs> Which is no way I'm going to finish. But, but I just, I, because I want to, I guess this journey for me so far uh, is taking me to this place. Um, number one, so a year of God's goodness um, is for me now meaning that I'm, I'm going to embrace exactly what's happening now without wanting something else. 
Now, I understand the per, you know, vision, and I understand not being complacent. But here's the thing that, is, that I'm journeying into, is that I want to lean in to what's actually going on and trust the goodness of God so much that I am locating the goodness of God in something that I may not have ever been happy about before. The, the problem with being any kind of visionary or any kind of aspiration or wanting better is you're always looking to the future and never quite happy with today. We could get, it's so easy to get fixated on what we want God to be doing instead of actually embracing what the goodness of God is giving us today. So what I'm saying to you guys where I'm at is, and what I want to encourage you to do is to stop and in the midst of all the mess, all the stuff, locate God's goodness because we trust our God to be a good God. So he hasn't checked out of our lives. He's actually put goodness into what's going on. We just got to take a moment to actually see it. Okay, uh, my second thought, and these may mean nothing to you, but they mean a lot to me. But number t- my second thought is this. You can come on the stage, and I'm still going to finish. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but please, come on. So, so uh, my intention for this year is to trust God's goodness and not my own efforts. So here's, here's how it applies to me, pastor in a church. And you have, you care about our church, but you also have stuff going on in your world. Colossians 2.19 says, He holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. So God, Jesus holds the body together, together with the joints and the ligaments. The the heartache of being a pastor is all the people who come and go, all the people that you love and invest in, and then they decide they're going to leave for whatever reason. Some of it's legit, no question. But all the coming and going can, it, it can, it can pummel your soul. And you may not have it to the level that, you know, we would have it as pastors of a church, but I believe there are people that are coming and going in all of our lives that we're going, what's that all about? You know, what happened there? And And I'm looking at this scripture, I'm trusting the goodness of God, and I'm realizing that it's really in the hands of the Lord, and He holds it all together. So, 
anybody who comes, that's the Lord. And anybody who goes, that's the Lord. It's like, I, I'm, I am not going, I care, but I'm not going to allow my soul to get hung up in it. Can you hear what I'm saying? And the, this passage said, God grows our church as he nourishes it. So I'm, I'm in this place, and this is, I mean, this is, a, this is the journey for me to get to and to live here is that I, this year, like, I'm almost going to quit counting how many people are in our church. I said almost. But I want to put it this way. My concern this year is less about the growth of our church and more about me taking care of my spirit and my relationship with Jesus. And I'm not going to let my joy any longer be affected by whether 150 people all of a sudden decided we're not coming to church this Sunday because that's how much our attendance can move around. So the, I'm just telling you where I'm at because you're going to see me make some moves that you're going to look back on this night and go, ah, he said he was going to do something like that. I'm, my intention this year is to make our church more about Jesus and less about people. Um, I love people, and, and Jesus loves people. I know that. You, know, you don't you have to tell me that one, Right? More about pleasing Jesus and less about pleasing the, the crowd. Um, Colossians 2, 2, and 3. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, I'm saying this to me, but I'm saying this to you. All the answers to all your problems are located in Christ Himself. That's it. And, You know, somebody said one time, Jesus is the answer. And somebody says, what's the question? It's like, whatever the question is, Jesus is the answer. And what I'm saying to you, this is what I'm saying to me. As I seek Jesus, all the answers are, he will either reveal the answer or he will fix it. All the issues that concern our life. Colossians 1.16 For through Him, Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see, the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him. He, he knows how everything works. He knows how to fix anything that's broken. 
Let me just give you one more thought. This has to do with your own soul, my own soul. Um, and that is soaking in the goodness of God. I'm this year choosing a cheerful heart. I, I'm really taken by this scripture. I, I read the book of Proverbs like all the time. So I, I bet I've read this scripture I, a thousand times, maybe more. But for some reason, this idea has just captured my soul. Proverbs 15, 15, in the Passion Translation says, everything seems to go wrong when you feel weak and depressed. But when you choose to be cheerful, everybody say choose. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you wake up cheerful. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I'm grateful for an incredible wife that doesn't have to talk in the morning. Um, but the Bible says, when you choose to be cheerful, every day will bring you more and more joy and fullness. So if I get up in the morning and I am not feeling cheerful, I, this just keeps bombarding my soul to, to go, if I, if I choose to be cheerful, this day is going to be incredible. And if I allow myself to get weak and despondent, this is not going to be a good day, a good week, a good month. That same a verse in New Living, and then I'm going to stop here. For the despondent, every day brings trouble, but for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. <laughs> Come on. Come on. So, so it's, you hear me preach this all the time, but I, I, need, I need to preach it to myself still. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. It's never about circumstances, ever. It's always about my heart. So I want you to stand with me, um, and we're going to sing one more song. We're going to pray together, and I'm just, oh, I want us to lean in to the goodness of God. Let's worship together.